Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, head of communications at Stiefel, joined as always by our chief Washington policy strategist, Brian Gardner in D.C. Hey, Brian. Neil, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I, f- I feel like it's been a bit. Yeah, it's been three weeks. Yeah. yeah. We had a, a little uh, a little break. Uh, I was on the road a little bit, which uh, disrupted our usual, our usual every other week schedule. So uh, let's get back at it. Yeah. So since we last spoke, we had a Super Bowl winner, the Chiefs. Like there was you know, there's actually a lot going on in sports, right? You had the there Chiefs, is. you had this the Super Bowl spring. I was in Florida uh for yep. a conference and spring training is uh is underway. Um yep. where uh, everybody's in first place in February. And uh lots of rumors going around, you know, with the Yankees maybe making another uh another move. Um uh, adding to the pitching staff, uh, Aaron Judge was kind of teasing about that with some reporters the other day. Yeah, you know, th- th- actually, the big story though in sports is actually tonight. After you know, uh, we're recording this before the event, but uh, uh, the NHL, uh, my Islanders are in St. Louis mm. taking on taking on the the home team, uh, the St. Louis Blues. Um, yeah, the sponsor of this of the St. Louis Blues. Um, so uh, I'm a little bit in conflict between my my heart back on Long Island and my employer, but yeah. um, your paycheck, my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, and of course there's always sports on Saturday afternoon because you could always catch the Stiefel Snow Show on CNBC on Saturday afternoons while we're here in the winter. So that, that's a good plug, right there. Better plug the home team. Well, you know, Brian. Besides there being so much going on in sports, I feel like there's a lot going on. In Washington, there always is, but as you, you point out, it's been a couple of weeks since we we last spoke, and a lot has happened. So maybe we'll start with the presidential election because with each podcast, we're getting closer and closer to November. And I think since the last podcast, we had that big special counsel uh, report who is investigating um, the way President Biden handled those classified documents. That report finally came out, and just to summarize for all our listeners, obviously no charges were filed. But there were some pretty damning comments about President Biden's age and about his sort of mental abilities. Um, Want to get your thoughts on that report? Yeah, actually, two things, Neil. I mean, we'll talk about the report. And probably should also mention uh, the Supreme Court oral arguments uh, um, on uh, whether Trump can be Trump. on the ballot in Colorado. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. I'll, I'll, I'll but I'll, I'll address your first qu- the question first. Um, yeah, so. Um, since our last podcast, a special counsel is it, that is investigating President Biden's handling of classified documents came out with a report uh, in which he, the, the report said his office is not going to file charges. Um, right. The comments on the president's age were very damaging. Right. Oh. Um, and why they're so damaging is that the special counsel is really an independent, nonpartisan um uh, player in all this. So his assessment of the president's mental capabilities carries on a, un- a, a unique importance. He's not one of the partisan players in Washington, right? So um, no one knows what conversations are going on in within President Biden's inner circle, but that report has led to uh, a lot of public debate uh, about his ability yeah. to serve another term and, and, and I think has damaged his uh, his re-election prospects. Not, and he, he, I think he can still win, but there's undoubtedly damage done to those prospects. And I mean, he came out swinging hard. I mean, press conference that night that it came out, um, you know, a lot of, in a lot of 
uh, people's camps, that press conference that night, just reinforced some of the comments that were made in the report. But he clearly was very angered by it. For the president. He was. And, and I, I, I get the anger, I get the emotion, I get the passion, um, whether it was a um, prudentially sound move to make mm. that press conference when he when they did um, is questionable. I, I don't, you know, in some ways it underscored um, what was said in the report um, because he, yeah. he had a couple of misstatements in the Yeah, report. he got some countries confused. Exactly. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think that's kind of faded over time since, yes. you know, since the report's been out. I, I don't think that's as big a deal. Um, but uh, it, it, I, I think the bigger takeaway I had from that press conference was that um, just the level of emotion and emotion can be good, but sometimes it comes off as um, it, it negatively um, yeah. uh, that not under control. And there was, there was uh, a lot, I thought there was a lack of control um, yes. uh, in, in that press conference. Yeah, there was a certainly, certainly, um, you know, his son was brought up and all that other stuff. But, you know, you, you make a point, Brian, that some of that has kind of died down a little bit in the week since that happened. Um, so I guess the question is, is there anything there that you think would cause the Democrats to actually reconsider putting or backing Biden up for another term? It, it, it's a great question, Neil, cause it, and it's one that I get a lot. Um, but All my questions are great, Brian. They are. Um, but, it, it you know, you, you can't overlook the obvious sometimes, Neil. It has to be true. It's true. Um, Very true. Um, but with in terms of Democrats possibly reconsidering, replacing Biden, these are conspiracy theories. They're fantasy theories. Um, and... And I want to be very clear on that. Um, you know, if you look at Democratic Party rules, it, it's quite clear that um, when you get to the convention, uh, the on the first ballot, delegates are bound, right? They cannot change their mind. They are not free agents. And so within the next two weeks or so, President Biden is going to have a clear majority of the delegates that go to Chicago for their con for the Democratic convention. Furthermore, filing deadlines for uh, for future primaries have all passed. I mean, eighty per over eighty percent of them. So the mm -hmm. idea of getting somebody on the ballot to challenge him in the future is, is just a fantasy. It's not going to happen. Um, it's really up to President Biden. If yeah, that was going to be my he, question. If, he's, so if, if he's if he stays in, he's going to be the nominee. Right. So do you think he stays in? Probably. Probably, but I'm less confident in that than I was before the report. Yeah, I think you put out a note, plugging your published research, I think you put out a note right after the report that said, I think originally you said there was a maybe a 15% chance. Before the report, yeah. Before 15. the report. And then I think right after the report, you brought it up to maybe 40%. That's where and I am. Here we are a couple of weeks later. Where are you? Somewhere in between? I'm still at 40. Yeah. You're still at 40. Oh, that's yeah, hot. Yeah. I, 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 um, yeah. Right after the report, I I, I upped my um, my handicapping from, from 15 to 20 to, to the 40% range. Um, and I haven't seen anything since the report that would cause me to revisit that. Now, look, those conversations are all going to happen behind closed doors, right? And it's going, and, and so if those conversations are happening, and I don't know that for a fact, yeah. but if they are, um, it's going to be with a very tight group of Biden loyalists and the Biden family to make sure it's leak proof. So um, we're not going to know 
um, whether these conversations are happening until um, after the fact. Yeah, unless there's some very public incident that forces the hand. Cor- correct. Yes. Uh, you know, all things being equal, um, if, yeah. if if status quo um, reigns until uh, until midsummer in the convention, that you know, I don't think we'll hear anything about it. So, um, and we're not suggesting this happens or or advocating for it, but it's fun to sit to play the what if game, regardless oh, of the part, regardless of the of political party. So you kind of hinted at the convention and the delegates. So if President Biden on his own were to drop out, right? If he's not forced out, but voluntarily he drops out for whatever reason, mm-hmm. then what happens? Well, for, first, I, I, if that were to pass, if that were to happen, um, then I think it happens at the last possible moment because he would want to prevent or delay um, lame duck status yeah. for as long as possible. So um, the convention is in the middle of August. I think we would probably get to early August before there's an announcement. Um, um if he were to drop out, he would still go to, you know, he would go to the convention with close to 100% of the delegates, if not all of them. Um, and then you you basically have opened it up to the convention to pick a, an alternate. Um, could be the vice president. There are a number of Democratic governors that would would seek the, the nomination. Um, and it would it, a bit of a free for all. And, you know, the, you know, history does, you know, maybe doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Uh, so um, Democrats are going back to Chicago, where the site of the 1968 chaotic convention. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm not suggesting that we're it's going to get to that level. But uh, uh, there, there's a certain level of irony to it. Um, and if that were to happen, I would think that some of the elder statesmen of the Democratic Party would step forward and kind of play kingmakers. Uh, former mm-hmm. President Obama, former President uh, Clinton, um, they will have a lot of influence. Um, and then, you know, there'll be all sorts of horse trading. I I, I would like it just because it goes back to the the old days of kind yeah. of closed door politicking, you know, smoke filled rooms. I mean, that's. That's what, you know, that's what, how it always used to be until really 1968. Um, 68 yeah. started these reforms that have a very primary driven, open, transparent process. Um, this would certainly reverse that. Yeah. All the drama is, la- is let out. Yep. Um, all right. Well, before we move on, two other quick election uh, items. One, you wanted to talk about the Supreme Court. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. And I- the other thing I want to get you on, and then we can move off the election, is Nikki Haley. She is still hanging in there. Um, and I wanted to get your so get your take on the the arguments, and then we're, since we're going to talk about Trump, his only really rival left for the Republican nomination, if you can call it that, um, is Haley. And I wanted to sort of take your temperature on where her campaign stands. So yeah, the Supreme Court case, which uh, so the the court a couple of weeks ago heard oral arguments about the Colorado case about Trump being on the ballot, the primary ballot out there, and it was very clear listening to oral arguments that uh trump is going to win yeah um, uh, uh justices from both sides um uh, uh pretty clearly signaled where they're going to be now it doesn't guarantee anything but um you know listening to this particular or- oral argument it- it's pretty clear this is probably going to be an eight one or nine nothing victory wow. for, for trump um yeah. um so not a lot of surprises there but but how um, clear it was from oral arguments did strike me a little bit. Yeah. As for Nikki Haley, um, I, I think she stays in. Um, every indication, you know, 
we're, we're coming up on the South Carolina primary, her home state. She's she's going to lose and lose by a lot, by a lot. Again, um, not advocating for it, but I think the latest poll I saw, she trails by thirty some odd points. Yeah, so um, maybe she stays in just to you know to to gather a couple of delegates here or there. You know, by staying in, she can still gather a couple and just kind of play the long game. That yep. something were ha- to happen to exactly. Trump in 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 his legal uh, lawsuit exactly. Uh, that somehow she would be there at the end to pick up the pieces. That's, you know, I played my best Brian Gardner imitation um, earlier this week. Somebody asked me why, why she stays in. And I put my Brian Gardner hat on. Um, and I said, uh, for that reason that you just said, in that something happens unexpected, a legal case, some other issue, and she's the only one left by default. You know, yep. she becomes the the favorite if something should happen to either Trump or his candidacy. So that's what I said. So kudos yep. to me for guessing what Brian Gardner would say. You can't have part of my paycheck, though, Neil. It's been a lot of years, Brian. It, it it eventually rubs off. It's been a lot of years. And that's why I laugh when you are now considering President Obama as the elder statesman of the party. Yep. I think when I first started working together when he was some unknown senator trying to run for president the first time. Been uh, It's been a couple of cycles, hasn't it? It's been a couple of cycles. Exactly. Exactly right. All right. Well, so I think we're pretty up to speed now on the election and we've got what eight or nine months and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about it a lot over the next few months. But let's get back to Congress now. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, there's more talk of a shutdown again. What's going on? Yeah, there is. Uh, So we're coming up on the next set of deadlines. Uh, uh, The government is operating under a continuing resolution and uh, the deadlines for that are coming up March 1 for parts of the government um, about 20% 20% or so of the government is funded through March 1. The rest of the 80% is funded through March 8th. Um, so here we are on February 22nd. Congress is out of town this week. Uh, they'll be back early next week. Senate's back the 26th. I think the House is back the next day or so. Just it's not a lot of time to, to pass a big government spending bill. So I do think that March 1 deadline could get passed and you could have a partial shutdown. Obviously there's more time with the the March 8 um uh deadline. So uh there's a little so maybe not all the government just a partial shutdown. Um but it you know how Congress deals with this, um they have a bunch of different options, right? Um you can pass a a group of appropriations bills. That, that seems unlikely at least in the short term because of that deadline that's coming up. You can kick the can down the road again, um, which very possible. Um, it's unpopular among House Republicans, but um, it, it may be the default just to buy more time. Um, that that that's the only way they can uh, they can operate. And some some Republicans are okay with a with a shutdown; others are not. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, the other is passing a year long continuing resolution. Um, uh, it's popular among conservatives. It's unpopular with Democrats, the White House, defense hawks generally. And let me just, before we you know, kind of dive into this a little bit more, explain what a, a CR, continuing resolution, is. It's basically continuing government functions at current levels with no policy changes whatsoever. You're mm-hmm. basically changing dates in the law saying, 
you know, the Department of Homeland Security has X dollars until uh, until September 30, 2024. And that's it. It, it, There's not a lot else in there. Yeah. It's like extending a car lease. Yes. Basically. Yep. So, um, so then what's the problem with doing it? I mean, you mentioned that a year long uh, CR is possible. You said it was popular among some conservatives, not popular with the Democrats. What's the what's the issue with it? So there are a couple of issues. Uh, um, and it, always with the CR, um, policymakers don't like it because there are no there are no policy changes at all. Um, so you're you're operating under last year's rules. There's no increase in the budget. Um, there are no tweaks to policy to try and improve programs. Um, uh, it makes it, it makes it hard to plan um, for um, people at the agencies. The other um, is more particular to this set of circumstances because remember last year in the the debt ceiling deal, it, it included a provision that if Congress can't pass the spending bills and relies just on a CR, um, then there are going to be automatic cuts uh, to programs. Um, across the board, but um, more on defense. And those cuts would occur at the end of April. And so that that's a big concern, especially, like I said, for the defense hawks, because it'd be about a 1% cut in, in defense spending. So would this have any impact on the uh, foreign aid bill? It, it, it could. Um, so, you know, the, the Senate passed the bill a couple weeks ago. Um, House has yet to, to consider it. Um, and there's been noise uh, surrounding it, but the, the Senate the Senate vote was was quite strong. Um, Seventy senators in favor, including a, you know I think it was twenty two Republicans. Um, so not half, but a, a good strong group of Senate Republicans. Um, the recent polling from Pew um, shows that Americans still think that uh, Ukraine's fight is in America's national interest um, by a pretty strong number and. A strong number among Republicans too. So they're 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 content, you know, even though that number has slipped a little bit, there's still broad public support. And I think if the bill got to a vote in the House, it probably passes. But you know, Speaker Johnson's facing pressure from the from the right um not to vote on it. That, that that's the that's the block that doesn't support Ukraine to Ukraine funding. Um you know, Johnson seems a little bit more supportive of the the Ukrainian effort um, than his right wing does, but he's in a, a, a tough political position. It, it is possible that they could attach the foreign aid bill to some broader government spending bill, whether it's a, C, a, a CR, a short term bill, the you know individual spending bills. This is all needs to be worked out. Um, but I th- you know if they can find a way to get it to the floor, it passes. I think. Um, it's just getting there. That's the difficult part. Got it. And, you know, Brian, lastly, just before we wrap up, this this seemed to come, at least to me, come out of left field. But maybe I'm wrong. You tell me. I, I've been seeing some press stories. There were some segments on TV about the future of 401ks and how a decade from now that may not even exist anymore. And to me, I, I mean, I, this just came out of nowhere. But am I wrong about that? What 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 are your thoughts? No, when, uh, not out of nowhere, but um, it it certainly has popped up. It, the Congressional Budget Office, uh, the CBO, put out uh, some updated uh, budget forecasts, and in that was uh, uh, an update to the Social Security Trust Fund. Um, and uh, CBO now thinks that the trust fund 
um, will not be solvent in as soon as 2033. Um, so, um, you know, th then you know, lawmakers would be left with choices. We get to that point, right? We're still nine years away from that forecast. Um, but then you're left with, you know, what do you do with uh, Social Security since revenues are not meeting um, expenditures? Uh, you can cut benefits, very politically unpopular. You can raise taxes to pay for it, politically unpopular. You can transfer money from the general fund over to Social Security. That has its own problems because you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, so uh, there, there are going to be some tough decisions coming down the pike. And, and with the CBO uh, estimate out, um, a bunch of economists and analysts uh, have been floating ideas on uh, what to do more broadly on retirement savings programs? Because if you're going to if you're going to debate entitlements and Social Security, do, you know, they, I think they think that's an opening for a reconsideration of the entire system. Mm -hmm. And a couple of them uh, have floated the idea of changes to 401ks. Um, and look, there is support for um, changing the tax deferred status of 401ks, both on the right and the left. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's traditionally come more from the left, but I think there's a growing uh, view on the right that um, that this could be a tempting target uh, because in in the populist view, um, and I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying where this view is most widely held, um, 401ks, you know, help upper income wage earners, um, not the middle class, not lower class workers. Um, and so... You know, if you're going to change retirement programs, try and find money to offset, you know, changes in other like Social Security, then maybe changing the tax deferred status of 401ks may may get consideration. Um, we'll see. You know, I, I, I guess the the thinking is, look, if you're going to if you're going to toy around with Social Security, which does benefit lower income uh, individuals more than upper individual uh, income individuals, you better be taking something away from the upper income individuals mm -hmm. as well. And four hundred one ks are tax deferred, right? You still pay right. taxes later. Yeah, but you pay it at a much lower rate, presumably. And and, and there's working. no capital gains taxes. Right. Um, so um, that that is a uh, that's. That's on the it, it's out there being thrown around. These are trial balloons. Um, we're not close to having a serious debate on this, but yeah. it, it definitely is out there over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you if you start sort of messing around with the tax deferred status of a 401k, it, it doesn't really become sort of a special vehicle for people. It's just no, I, I, the, the, the argument that's, the, that's really the whole attractiveness of it, right? You right. end up paying taxes at a much lower rate and you don't have the capital gains. So, so there there are there are two there are two elements of it. One, as you noted, is the tax deferred status, um, which which is popular. Um the other is, is that it's an automatic withdrawal. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, for it's, sure. Yeah, exactly. It, it um and I would think there would be other changes that would go along with it, maybe on forced savings of some, you know, into yeah. an account of some type that's an automatic um, yeah. uh, deduction. But look, like I said, CBO said 2033, Congress has a term paper mentality. Um, so the idea that 
let me make two points on this. One, that they're going to make any changes right now is unrealistic. That's not going to happen. And the other is, um, I suspect more likely than not that changes will be prospective and not retroactive, right? They're not mm -hmm. going to change. If you have a 401k today, yeah. it's probably not going to change. They being Congress are not going to change the tax status of your current account. Right. Accounts, for future. future accounts that are that are created and opened after the change in law um, certainly would be on the table. But uh, a retroactive changes to existing accounts, not impossible. I, I, you know, I can't say never. Um, unlikely. Un unlikely. Yeah. yeah. It's just funny to me because I remember not that long ago, not that many years ago, there was a huge push for companies to automatically enroll people in 401k plans where you had to actually opt out versus opt in as a way to kind of force people to start saving a little bit more responsibly. So the fact that now they're thinking about, you know, scrapping it altogether is, you know, hard for me to believe. But as you say, who knows? And it's probably down the down the road, yep. if at all. Yep. I th think that's correct. All right, Brian. Well, on that note, I think we're out of time for this week, but thank you as always. Okay, and you'll get, you know, now that we're done, get back to your work on your fantasy baseball team. I know it's coming up. Well, I didn't want to say anything, but I did get an incoming text from one of the biggest Met fans I know, who happens to have the same last name as me and for many years lived in the house with me, letting me know that apparently our ace pitcher uh, has something wrong with his shoulder. So um, for those of you who know Alex Shapiro, he's now forecasting a hundred loss season for the Mets. You know, that that, that seems like an- I'm talking about Kodai Senga. It, the, it, that seems like an evergreen forecast. <laughs> yeah, but Brian, it, it is an evergreen forecast, but typically not in February. Usually we have to see the game start first, not on February 22nd. So where are we forecasting 100 games? But I, I thought Steve Cohen was going to solve all your problems. What happened? It's a good question. It's a good question. Um, but anyway, at least this year, the expectations for the team are very low as opposed to the last couple of years where their expectations were very high. So anything other than a deep playoff run was disappointing. I think this year... You you're, know, so this is like a stock, a stock, buy it on the dip? Yeah, basically. Well, I don't know about that. I'm not, I would never advise that, but <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, I, let's put it this way. What I would bet is that I think your team, the Yankees, will have a better record than my team. That I think I'm pretty confident of. Yeah, that that's... Um... That that's an easy one. Well, the one thing one wild card is always injuries, and I feel like Correct. Well, yep. that's always part of sports. I feel like it is becoming a having a much bigger impact lately than it ever did before. Agreed. So we'll see. Okay. All right, but we got to stay healthy, Brian, because we got we got what eight months till the election. So we got to stay we got to stay fit and healthy, and and no D no uh, oh it's not the DL anymore. No injured reserve for us. The podcast has to go on. Um, you know. I'll I'll play hurt if I have to, Neil. Got it. No, that's your team. Your team guy. I always say that. All right. Well, thanks again, Brian, and thanks to everybody for listening. We'll see you in a couple of weeks with another episode of Potomac Perspective. Take care.